And it's, I mean, I am so grateful to be standing here right now before you. You don't know how much I've missed it. I am so grateful to Chris and Ken, who did such a great job through July preaching. And I'm just, it's, it makes me sleep well at night to know we've got such a, a crew that can just step in. And I could literally call them the night before, and they would have no idea what they're going to say, and God would provide for us. So um, he's faithful, right? God is faithful with his word. And he doesn't need anybody. There's no professionals here, okay? <laughs> We're all learning together how to, how to live it. And, uh, and so here we go. Today's sermon is for Darren, okay? The rest of you can listen in, but today's sermon is for Darren. Today is how not to be a hypocrite, okay? That's the message for today. Yeah, you can leave anytime. I totally understand. I kind of want to go too, but I've been waiting for you know, weeks to preach anything, so I'll even preach this. So I'm glad, I am, I'm glad to be here, and I'm grateful for your prayers, and I want to, let's just do it again, let's pray some more. Lord God, as we prepare to hear what you have for us, I firmly believe that you have a message for each of us here, and it may be a different message totally than what is coming out um, from my mouth today, because you're a, a, a living God, and your word is living and active. It's always ready to work in a heart that's open, a heart that's tender. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will open our eyes and our ears to hear what you want us to hear. And then, Lord, give us the faith and the courage to respond. In Christ's name, amen. We are in Matthew 6, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and start turning there, and we're going to read the whole passage, and then we'll jump in, and and I'm going to ask you to stand for that so I don't get too comfortable, because I'm going to ask you to read it with me, okay? Because um, I just, I don't know, it just feels like that's what we're supposed to do today. But before we do that, I want to catch you up. If you've not been here before, we are preaching through the book of Matthew. Matthew was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He wrote down stuff that he witnessed and things he heard about that he didn't get. He might not have been there for that particular thing, but he knew people who were. And so he wrote it down and being a tax collector, he was very good with details. Okay. You don't, you got to get the numbers right or the Romans are not happy with you. Okay. And he paid a lot of money for that role, which is why he was considered a traitor by his own people. And yet God took that man just who was an outcast socially and he made him one of the founding uh, disciples of this movement we call the Jesus movement or Christianity, okay? And so we got, we've got that to read from today. Now today's passage comes out of a section of teaching in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. There are five sections where Jesus, con- or we see some concentrated teaching from Jesus. This is the first of five. I don't know. I've heard that it kind of mirrors the first five books of the Bible. Maybe, maybe it doesn't, but there's a lot of things that happen in Scripture that don't happen by accident. Oh, that's a cool coincidence. Eh, probably not. So um, I'm just excited that, that I, you know, Jesus knows his Old Testament Scriptures, right? Jesus only speaks Scripture, so he probably um, has so many layers of profound meaning happening when he speaks that we'll never plumb the depths of it, which is amazing. But he's God, so we shouldn't be surprised. Okay, so I'm going to read through it all. Then I will give you the main idea, which is the very first verse. That's the principle. And then three examples that Jesus uses to drive that message home. 
So it's really one point today. There's a lot of other lessons in here, but there's one point, and it's in the first verse. We'll, we'll unpack it after we read it. So if you would stand with me, we'll read it out loud together. I think we'll have it on the screen. Yep, there it is. You just read what's on the screen. I'll trust that's close to what I've got. <laughs> it should be the same. And uh, if I go too fast or too slow, just keep up. It'll be all right. Now, here we go. Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done, sorry, in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full." But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father, or, for your father knows what you need before you ask him." Then we're going to skip verses 19 through 14. We're going to do that next week. That's the Lord's Prayer. Starting in 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Lord God, these are your words, and we pray that that's what would shine through and penetrate our hearts and clarify and, and, and enlighten our minds. And we ask you to do that great work through your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll have a seat. Thank you for helping me with that. Key passage, certainly the the main summary principle is this very first verse where Jesus gives a warning. It's a warning that is in the present imperative, which is a fancy grammatical way of saying, always keep doing this and pay attention. And oh, by the way, don't forget to do this. Okay. Be careful. Okay. Be careful. This is, this is the, this is like the be careful that parents say to their kids when they're getting ready to drive out on Friday night for the first time. Okay. Be careful, right? Be careful to but be careful to do what or not to do what? Not to practice righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now, you may go, well, okay, that sounds good. Or you might be one of those going, wait a minute, didn't Jesus just say, yep, yeah, let's go there. 516, turn back a page to verse 15 in chapter 5, where Matthew says to the disciples, I'm going to... I'm going to start reading. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Good deeds, righteous acts, 
Sound good? Sounds similar? Okay, let's go back. Be careful not to practice your righteousness. Shine. In front of others. Sounds like a contradiction. Oh no, we have a contradiction in Scripture. No, we don't. Okay, this is what's called an apparent contradiction. It appears to contradict, but as, as usual, stand both places, it fits. And usually you just have to read a little bit further or go back a little bit to understand what it meant and what it meant. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. Okay, that does contradict the verse. But if you read the next few words, it gives you the, the understanding, the qualifier to be seen by them. Okay? And what you're going to see in these passages, and this is the point he's going to drive home over and over and over, is that if you do something, no matter how good it looks on the outside, if your intentions, if your motives are for you, are for you to be raised, that's the only reward you're going to get. And oh, by the way, you're robbing God of his glory, which was why you were created in the first place. That's the point. Okay? Okay? So if you're writing something to that effect, would be really good to note. Okay, but we're going to unpack it because Jesus is driving this home because disciples were men and we men sometimes need repetition. I know I do. And also when you're guilty, sometimes we put up our defenses and don't want to hear this. Okay, now he's going to use three examples and you're going to go, why do you use those three? Well, these are called, were referred to as pillars of uh, Judaism in that these were three things that were done publicly, publicly by the religious leaders as an example to what all of them should be doing. All followers of God, okay? But they were being hypocritical. Many of them, I'm not going to say all of them were, but many of them were doing it hypocritically. And others would then follow them. And it's, it's so tempting for us to be hypocritical in doing this too, right? It's so easy. And, and so um, this is why I said this is for me, because, you know, it's so easy to get to care more about what people think about you than what God thinks about you. So look at verse 2. Jesus continues. And all these are words, these, every word here is spoken by Jesus, okay? So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others, okay? So there it is. He's repeating it and being more specific. In this case, giving to the needy, all right? Um, when you give. Notice he doesn't say if you give, okay? This isn't the point of the message. This isn't the focus that Jesus has, but it is an example because it was a big deal in those days to be givers publicly. And so they had these um, contraptions. They had these chests, and they had this funnel, and it would be a metal funnel that would kind of look like, um, you, if you, well, nobody in here remembers, remembers. Remember Victoria Record, one of the record players with the big speaker that looked like a trumpet and it would come down as a funnel. Well, they had something like that and it would go into this chest, this locked chest. And if you, and money and currency in those days was coins. And so if you put offering in, it would make a loud noise as it slid down in there. And if you put one coin in, it was pretty obvious to the listener. And if you put a bag of coins in there, it was pretty obvious to the listener. And so what happens when you hear a noise, it's, oh, who's giving money? And everybody turns and looks, and there's somebody standing there, depending on how quickly they move on. And if you want to be seen, then you're going to linger. It'd be kind of like if we put um, Gene at that giving pillar and Chris at that giving pillar, and we gave them both air horns. And every time somebody came and dropped an envelope in, they squelched the air horn so that everybody would look to see who just put money in the offering to kind of encourage the rest of you to give more, right? 
I mean, but it had kind of gotten to that. Not by design, but because of, right, what, who, what do we care about? The outside, not the inside. Okay? Start giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. Okay? So Jesus is coming right at the religious leaders hard on this. He is calling them out, as he should. All right? Your leaders need to be called out when they're not walking with the Lord. Okay? Starts right here. You, you call them out. That's, that's the responsibility of the fellowship. That's why there is such a thing as membership. Who's, who else would have um, uh, what I would say the responsibility of that? Right? Where would that start? The folks that elected them into their role or, or put them in that role. Right? So that's what Jesus is doing here. But he knows it's bigger than that. He knows 2,000 years later that you and I are going to be reading these verses and we're going to be thinking about these things. Because he knows that you and I struggle with the same temptation that these religious leaders struggled with. So when you give to the needy, um, some translations say the poor. Most of them say to the needy, I think there's a difference. And this is, again, not the point, but it's a side note. You, if you're poor, you are needy, right? That's pretty much obvious. But you can be needy and not poor. Sometimes we need to give to someone because they're in need. And if someone wants to give to you, you need to be humble enough to receive it and let them have the blessing of giving and don't assume they think you're poor. Just think they see a need and they want to meet that. And, and just assume God put it on their heart and let that happen. Okay? Be gracious in receiving. Be gracious in giving. And everybody will be a whole lot more happy. A little happier. Okay? So, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. That could be metaphorical. It could be the literal change in the little funnel. But regardless, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. So who are the hypocrites? What's a hypocrite? So if you look at uh, the, Greek and, uh, the, the Greek language, which was um, the Greeks, obviously, started the Greek language, and then the Romans kept on with it, in addition to their Latin, thank you very much, um, they uh, you had the word hypocrite. And the word hypocrite in those days meant, um, it meant a pretender. Okay? And they had... You know, we, we like to do musicals and plays and write shows. I think, uh, wasn't it? Hamilton was just in town, so people are acting live on stage, right? And they did that stuff back then, too. And they, would, they didn't do the makeup thing because their, their stage was very far away from the seating. And so they, instead of using makeup, because they didn't have all the lighting and everything, they just used masks. So you could literally have a female playing a male or a male playing a female was usually the way it worked. Most of the actors were men and and they would use a, a mask to totally look like somebody different than or portray somebody different than who they were and then they would wear costumes and they were hypocrites and they played they, they played the role for the applause of people so you can see just listening to that how easy it would be for the new testament writers to lift that principle out and drop it in and say there's such a thing as spiritual pretenders People who put on a mask, so to speak, put on a costume, so to speak, and outwardly do religious things to appear to be spiritual. It's for the praise of people, right? That's a hypocrite. Now, I don't think uh, we always intend to do that. I don't think, I would think most of us, nobody plans to do that. But there are times when people do. But it's still a temptation that's there 
because you're going to, you know you should do those things. As a follower of Christ, we know we should give to the needy. We know we should be praying. We know we should be fasting as a spiritual discipline. And so if I'm going to do it, well, maybe I should get some pats on the back in the process. It would be kind of nice if I did, right? And so you might not be as discreet as you could be. You say, well, and Jesus said, let your light shine. So I'm going to give in such a way that it shines brightly. And if I happen to get some praise for that, okay. Mm -mm. It doesn't work that way. At least not if you want heavenly rewards. Okay, the rewards that come from heaven. So he continues to unpack this. All right, so uh, he said, and then he, he said they were doing it. This is what the religious leaders were doing. They were doing things in the synagogues, which were, so there was one temple, but it wasn't here anymore. It had been just, well, there was Herod's temple. So there's the temple, and then there's synagogues, which are like local churches, sort of, Jewish churches, sort of. I, I don't, gathering places for the, for the, for the Jews in that day. Okay, so this happened in the synagogues because they obviously would collect offerings as part of their Sabbath services. And then also in the streets, it would also happen. Um, at least that seems to, oh, let's see here. I'm in the prayer part now, aren't I? In the prayer part, they would do it in the streets. They're not giving money in the streets. Okay, so let me finish this first section. So truly I tell you, this is how he responds. Remember when, and he says this three times, Jesus says, truly I tell you, whenever he says truly or something to that effect, it's Pay attention, write this down, and then he says, I tell you, that reminds us that he, is, he has all authority. Remember our theme for the book of Matthew is Jesus has all authority so that all nations might give him all allegiance. That's the whole book of Matthew in six words, okay? And he, so I tell you, it's who's it for? It's for anyone who says, I follow Jesus. These words are for us. Truly I tell you, they, that is the hypocrite, who does what they do outwardly for the, appraise, the, for the praise of people, they have received their reward in full. There's no other reward coming. God is like, okay, you, you got what you wanted. That's what you get. I'm going to step back and I'm going to withhold the reward that I had for you for when you do it with the right heart. Motives matter. The matter of the heart. What is that, that phrase? The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Fits. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That sounds like I don't even know what I'm doing, which you might say is true for me. But I mean, when we're talking about it in the context of giving, right? It's saying be extremely discreet. This is one of those things you can do and nobody or very, very few people can even know you're doing it. Okay? For example, you can give online. It's even easier now. You can give to the pillar. You can be discreet. You can wrap it with a, a welcome card so it looks like a prayer request. It doesn't even look, people don't even know you're giving money. You, you can be discreet if you're, you're taking this to extreme. That's not his point. His point isn't hide it when you give. His point is check your heart. It's okay if people catch you doing good things. Okay? The point is don't go looking for it. Don't go manipulating your life so that people see you doing that and can pat you on the back. Okay? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Here's why. So that your giving may be done in secret. Then, if that happens, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Because what you do in secret and nobody sees, he sees. Because he sees all. Example number two. Verse five. And when you pray, not if you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, same people, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Same principles, right? It's very similar. I, truly, I tell you, Jesus says, they have received their reward in full. Same result. 
But when you pray, go into your room, and this could be any kind of room where you, it's hard to see who's inside. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay? Same thing, right? Just a different application. And then he's going to add a little bit here because it's like Jesus wants to riff on prayer for a little bit. So he's going to talk about babbling and then he's going to talk about how do you pray, which we'll do next week. But the babbling part, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. A pagan is a non-Jew and it's, it's someone who either doesn't, it, 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 it's just anyway, anybody who worships anyone but the one true God. For they think they will be heard by whoever they're praying to because of their many words. Repetition, empty repetition is what's in mind here. A heartless repetition. Do not be like them. Don't you like it when scripture's clear? Don't do that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, do not be like them. Why? For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Which some people would say, don't ever pray and ask God for anything because he already knows. And I would say, read the rest of your Bible, and you'll see that he tells us over and over and over, ask, seek, knock, you know. He wants us involved in prayer. He wants you to know that he already knows what you're going to ask for. He's already working on what you're going to ask for, okay? Not that he needs a head start, right? God's God. But the, the principle is here, if we get so consumed in what we need, we're going to miss the fellowship that comes with praying with God, right? Way more important than anything I could get from God is knowing God. And being known by God. At the end of the day, when I stand before him at the pearly gates, and whatever joke you're thinking about, if, you know, just, just, if you're standing there, all he's going to care about is, do you know me? Because I know you, but do you know me? Not what have you done for me lately. Not what have you done for me at all. Do you know who I am? And you know, when you're face to face, it's going to be like, oh, I do now. But the question is, when you had to know by faith, were you there? Right? This is me in middle school flashing back going, I know all about Jesus. I'm hearing all about God in church because I'm there every week in my suit and tie, suffering through whatever this nonsense is they call church. And I'm just going to be a good boy because I know that's what they want me to be. But I don't know who this God is. I'll jump through the hoops, but I don't really care. That's not knowing God. That's knowing about God. There's a difference. And by God's grace, he moved me from where I was to a place where I knew I got to know him. All right, then the third example starts in verse 16. When you fast, oh great, yeah, where are we going for lunch, <laughs> right? That's what I tend to think about. Um, fasting is uh, not something I'm good at and do very often at all, okay? I should, Okay, just being honest with you, I'm, like I said, I'm just a couple minutes ahead of you on some things, and some of you I'm still behind on. I'm still learning how to live this out, because this isn't a thing where I'm, I'm not convinced it's not legit. Oh, I'm convinced this is legit to the extent that I would say and argue the point, but I'm not convinced to the point yet to where I'm actually doing it. That's, what, that's the difference between what I say I believe and what I actually believe, right? And that gap needs to shrink, and the closer I get to the Lord, the more my life starts to look like my words of faith. And that, that hypocrisy, that's the hypocrisy gap. So I can't really preach a whole lot on fasting <laughs> because I'm not there doing it. Or I would be hypocritical. Except that I'm telling you so you can hold me accountable and say, hey, how's the fasting going this week? <laughs> I 
should never have said that. Okay, when you fast, do not look somber. Oh, by the way, fasting, what is it? You're probably like, what is it? Okay, you, you know what diet fasts are, right? You, I see those on... Man, it's going to pop up on all of our phones now because Siri's listening. He's like, oh, they all want fasting commercials. Sorry. Right? It's like uh, this is a way to lose weight, right? Fasting. Okay. Fasting in the Bible is not about losing weight. It's about disciplining yourself. And it's, take, and it's doing that at not just a discipline-like willpower level. It's, it's actually saying, I want to communicate to God in a way that is um, so honest that it costs me. So let's say I'm fasting a meal. That's pretty fast, a whole meal. Okay? And, but here's what I do with that time. Some of that, or some of that time, I say, I'm going to pray, Lord, because, because I want that even though my body craves food right now, I need you more than I need that food. And so in this moment, I'm going to exchange something I want in the flesh. And, and it's a legitimate need, right? But I don't really need it, right? But I, I need it. I can't stop eating completely for something that I need forever. And that is a nurtured relationship with my creator. That's what fasting does. If it's done with the, if it's done with the right heart, it you closer to the Lord and it causes you to trust him. Okay? So I'm not going to call for any church-wide fast yet. I'd fast yet. Okay? I got to practice this thing, but it is something that they did corporately. The Jews did this with festivals. They did it in solemn assemblies, the day of atonement when they would mourn sin. And, and so that's some of the background here. This was something that actually the Jews were really pretty consistent at doing personally, but especially all together. They would fast regularly. But then, of course, there was a lot of criticism. If you read Isaiah and other places where Jesus, uh, where God came down on pretty hard for fasting with a heart that is not for him. Right? You're saying the right things, but your heart's far from me. Okay? And so he's calling them out. When you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. So what's their mask? So if they are fasting and mourning, they put ashes on their face, like rub, like charcoal ashes on their face, and they would put on clothing that was very uncomfortable and ugly, like sackcloth, like burlap. Can you imagine wearing burlap? That would not feel good at all. All right? Need a lot of Under Armour for that, right? So, you know, and they would do that, and then they'd go out in public, and people would look at them and immediately know what? They're fasting. So what what have they accomplished? People know I'm fasting. They think I'm all that in a bag of chips, right? Spiritually, I am, I'm something, And Jesus says, instead of doing that, do this. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, don't go get motor oil and pour it on your head. Okay, don't do... Okay. The oil, they, they, why did they put oil on their head? This was basically Jesus' way of saying, go looking like you normally look. Okay? If you put conditioner in and then you wash it out and you put hair product in your hair, then put hair product in your hair. 
Okay? They put oil in their hair because their scalps would get dry because they lived in a very hot climate where their skin's always drying out and their scalp's always drying out. And so they would use oil to protect their hair and to protect their scalp. And so that's what they would normally do. And so if they're getting ready for their day, they'd oil their hair, they'd wash their face, and out they go. And he's saying, do that so that nobody can tell that you're fasting. And if they happen to be around you around a meal, they might notice that you're not eating and they might ask you what's up. And they might find out you're fasting. Or you might just say, you know, I just don't, I'm just not going to eat today. Depending on, is this something that's hard for you? Is this a motive that you keep moving towards saying, I want this to be about me? Because it's not. But that's our temptation. That's the temptation to do this, right? Okay? So, what I want you to know today, I want you to know this principle in verse 1. I want you to know that when you shine, let your light shine like people, like, like, I'm sorry, when you shine the light of the Lord so that people can see it, that you do so with a heart and a motive that is all about God's glory instead of yours. Okay? Why, why do I want you to do that? Because we were created to bring glory to God. Okay? A pencil is created to write an erase. And it glorifies its manufacturer when it writes an erase as well. Right? Now, uh, a bird glorifies its creator when it chirps and lays eggs and teaches its little birdies how to fly and, and just, and just is gone, flies around and is beautiful and does what bird things do. birds do. Glorifies its creator when it does that. You and I, what do we do? What does it look like when we glorify God? It means we're being who God created us to be. That's it. As if Jesus were in you. Okay? That's the qualifier. I want to honor my creator through my words, my thoughts, my actions, my attitudes, and even my inactions. And when I do that, I actually am doing what I was created to do. That's my purpose for existing. And that purpose isn't just for here on earth. It's in the new heaven and the new earth. It's forever. That's what we will do. And I don't think we're going to sing forever. But we're probably going to do a lot more of it like, man, there's my favorite song again. I can't wait. Let's go. Or whatever else we're doing in eternity. We're going to be busy. It's a physical reality. It's more physical and more exhilarating this reality. We're going to do that. So that's what I want you to know. And that's why I want you to know it. What do I want you to do? What I want you to do is I want you to let your light shine. Your righteous deeds occur. Siri, you're not invited. I want you to let your light shine, but I want you to check your heart. Because here's what happens when you and I do, we let our light shine for the wrong reason. Two things happen, at least. One is we steal God's glory. We rob God of the glory he deserves. Again, why we were created. And we rob ourselves of the reward that he has for us. And we settle for something that really doesn't satisfy. It's gone in a flash. It's empty. Okay? I don't need to berate this. We're, I mean, I'm just like, I need to get down here and pray right now. So I'm just going to end this and start praying, okay? But what, here's what we're going to do as we, as we wrap up. In a minute, the musicians that aren't under conviction and staying in their seat, just kidding. <laughs> They're going to come up. <laughs> It's always a possibility. You never know. 
Um, and we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's Supper because that's what we do. Because we need to remember something. We need to remember the price that was paid for our forgiveness. For the ability for you and me to be hypocrites and yet be forgiven and loved hypocrites. Okay? I am a recovering hypocritical sinner. Sinner. Well, that's probably contradictory. I am a recovering sinner who is also hypocritical in trying to walk with the Lord. And so I need to, I need to go back to God to keep short accounts before God by repenting regularly. You know what? When my kids would come to me when they were little and, and apologize, and you could just see on their face they were genuine, melted my heart. Of course I'm going to forgive them, right? When we do that with the Lord, you don't think he can't wait to forgive you? It's the prodigal father welcoming the prodigal son home, right? He is running to the son who's got his excuses and his confession lined up. He's ready to settle for nothing. Just get me into the house. And the father's got a ring and a robe and sandals and a party planned because he can't wait to reconcile with his son. So if you're feeling kind of beat up right now like I do, you know what? I'm going to bask in the glory of the grace and mercy of God that is for all who would come to him by repenting and believing. That's what we do. Repent and believe. Repeat. Repent and believe. Right? Because we're going to sin. It's not inevitable, but it's pretty close. Well, let's not wallow in guilt and shame and, and let that tear us down. That's what the enemy wants to do. Make us, in, make us ineffective at being who we are. Let's, let's embrace the forgiveness that comes to, from God, drop our suitcases of guilt at the foot of the cross, and walk out of here free. Can we do that? Can we do that together? Would that be cool today? You feel lighter on your feet already, maybe. All right, so musicians come. If everybody will stand. And now, you don't have to be a member here to celebrate in the Lord's Supper. Okay? You don't have to be a member here. You should be a follower of Christ because what you're doing is you're saying, he died for me. But here's the cool thing. If that finally clicks for you and you believe that he died for you, then you're a believer. You've just stepped in. Wait, I didn't pray. (laughs) You believed. And that is what it requires. So, and then you come and you celebrate and take a piece of bread which represents his body that was broken and beaten and tortured And then the cup of grape juice reminds us, it symbolizes the blood of Christ that he shed, he died, okay? Remove blood, person dies. And and those two things, Jesus said, I want you to do this when you gather to remember the cross because that's what makes it possible. That's what makes forgiveness possible. No cross, no forgiveness because the price for my sin was his life. And I don't ever want to forget that. And you shouldn't forget that either. Okay? That's, that's why they call it good news. I am forgiven for my hypocrisy. Even if you don't forgive me. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you are a God of second chances. Thank you, a God of rich in mercy and grace. We need it. We need it now. We need to believe that you know everything we've ever said, thought, done, and yet... When we come to you and confess it and admit that we were wrong and want your forgiveness, that you will provide it. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You promise that. And so we're going to take you at your word, believe that it's true, and receive the forgiveness that we don't deserve. And then we're going to go forgive others in the same way. And you're going to reconcile people and you're going to reconcile people to God, and you're going to represent, reconcile people to each other. 
and relationships will be restored. We need that. We never needed it more than we need it right now, probably. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.